and welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Kreider, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Robert Luke, Associate Editor at Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff Lee, Editor of Cargo Facts. I want to begin today with mention of more news from Farmbro that we weren't exactly able to cover last week. A company called Hybrid Air Vehicles unleashed their new design for the Airlander 50 with some impressive partnerships from ACOM to back it up. The Airlander 50, as opposed to the their previous model, the Airlander 10, is designed specifically for logistics and freight transport and will be able to carry a payload of 50 to 60 tons. Uh, it will be able to move more cargo and people than point to point, and it uses this Zeppelin-like features um, to have larger to scale air freight. This is one of the many uh, new forms of technology that's going to be flying autonomously um, with in using more drone technology that we saw from FarmBro. And I wanted to, to, on that note, give a special shout out to the folks at Air Dialogue who sat down with us um, and gave us a lot of very good in-depth content that we'll be uh, showing in our magazine coming up next week but moving on to news from this week i was very interested to see ethiopian select the a350 1000 uh passenger aircraft robert what do you think this means for their freighter fleet if they're going to be moving on to the airbus while expanding with boeing freighters you know that's a very interesting question because you know from just doing the actual contact with a few sources through Boeing that uh, they were still waiting for the finalization of the agreement with Ethiopian. And in the past, we all know the majority or 100% of Ethiopian's fleet has been predominantly Boeing aircraft for many years. So I still have my eyes and ears open to see what their decision will finally be. but. I'm not going to be too surprised if they decide to go with that A350 freighter. And with that being said, uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts on this whole uh, uh, un un unrecognized or better yet, this well, uh, immediate twist and turn of action from them? Yeah, I mean, let me just say that, um, of course, Ethiopian already has a, a pretty large fleet of A350 900s. And this was, um, you know, them expanding into the longer version, uh, which not to play it down. I mean, it, this is still pretty important. And of course, as we know, the A350 freighter is uh, more akin to the 1000 than the 900. Um, but it is interesting. And when we spoke to the Ethiopian CEO at Farnborough, he said that they were basically still evaluating between the two models. Um, I will also note that we caught a glimpse of a Boeing 777-8F uh, model in the Boeing press conference room in Ethiopian colors. And of course, I mean, we were very curious. Uh, we thought that was an indication of something, but um, it turned out not to be the case. Um, perhaps Boeing was was just a bit uh, too hopeful. Um, or they were trying, like to, trying to finalize or to, to get things moving along uh, more quickly than they did. Um, but yeah, it, it is pretty interesting that um, they had a model prepared um, for 
a potential signing, um, one would guess, but um, it never got put into use. Um, but, you know, Ethiopian is a pretty interesting carrier um, when it comes to their freighters because they basically have, um, you know, some of every, every type, it seems like. We know that they're expanding into the, the Q400 conversion. Um, they said they're probably going to look at getting more 737s. They have more triple sevens on the way, and they have um, they're converting three seven six sevens um, of their own. And in fact, um, that first one is pretty close to being complete um, at their own facility down in Addis Ababa. And not to stretch touch too far away from uh, the larger Boeing wide bodies. I. I yeah, I thought it was very interesting to see um, Ethiopian expand their freighter fleet or signal that they would expand their freighter fleet with the with the Dash 8. I, I think there's been a lot of hype about um, the battle of the equals of the A350 versus 777-8F, but I'm kind of for, foreseeing a battle between the Dash eight and the ATR freighters onto the turbo prop market, and it um, ATR had their um, press conference um, during Farm Bro and forecasted that there was going to be um, a increase in the demand for their freighter over the next um, several years. So I'm, I'm I'll, I'll be interested to see um, how that pl turns out, and you'll always see the latest coverage of the ATR versus Dash 8 orders and conversions on our website, cargofax.com. And don't forget to include the E-Jets. I think they're going to enter that market and bring, stir up some competition as well. Just wanted to interject that. Sorry. No, no, that's a, that's a, I'm really happy you did because that's a, that's a great point. That's a, that's a new freighter type that's entering the market, and Embraer seems very ex excited about it, and they um, said that uh, the first customer uh, for their new Egypt type, um, that'd be uh, Nordic Aviation Capital, had found their first operator. But I want to move back uh, to um, not Ethiopian, but um, to the 767, because I believe that we had a, a bunch of 767 news this week, didn't we, Robert? Yes, Andrew, and I mean, it's it's really, really uh, amazing to see that these aircraft continue to have a long-winded uh, capability to extend their, their lifeline here as airframes. As contrary to public opinion, uh, the 767s are not on decline and continue to show signs of uh, increasing life as Maersk recently flew its freshly built 767-300 freighter from Boeing to Miami to begin operations with the Marijet, which has been uh, ramping up their 767 fleet over well, uh, recently over the last couple of years. Um, and they still have aims to try to meet their fleet count of uh, 28 aircraft, which will include the uh, 75 and 767s as their main uh, fleet line operating aircraft for their services. UPS recently acquired an additional 767-300 for conversion that will be uh, converted at the Boeing facilities as well as the second largest U.S. freight expediter told my colleague Andrew Scoop Kreider that they are always sourcing the market for potential assets to expand its fleet capabilities. Uh, the 767's twin brother, the 757, continues to also show signs of extended life as a freighter. Uh, with the recent uh, Unit 25397 going to Miat Mongolian Airlines this week, as both twin-engine wide bodies continue to defy farther time 
another Boeing airframe seems to do the same thing and regenerate more lives than a cat. The 747, which my uh, editor Jeff will go ahead and provide some more of his analysis on why that quad engine freighter uh, always appears to be on the comeback contrail, if you say, if, if I must say. Yeah, it is super interesting. And in fact, even two years ago, we started um, seeing all these reactivations of 747s, older 747s that had been stored for years and years. And, you know, it just this week, um, pictures emerged of a, a 1985 vintage, uh, 747-200, a, a factory 200, uh, I might add. And it's been stored at the uh, GMF Aero Asia facility in Jakarta for almost 10 years. And so now it's been seen in, in a new coat of paint um, with the My Freighter titles. Now, My Freighter appears to be a an Uzbekistan based company. We've reached out to them. Um, I hope we get some commentary from them on just you know, the reasons and, you know, what the process was like to, to basically get their hands on this 747 and reactivate it. Um, but this company doesn't seem to have any freighters of its own right now. So again, we're seeing another, yet another company getting their hands on uh, a large wide body freighter like the 747 um, for own controlled, what well, must be own controlled operations. And, you know, this reminds me of the this because this isn't um, it seems the the other 200 747 200 that arrived in Jakarta um, a few weeks ago that was the White Walker 747 200 that we talked about um, but it isn't just the 200s um, and there are still believe it or not 747 400s that are resurfacing and coming back into service uh, very recently actually several days ago. Um, one of the two ex-China uh, Airlines 747-400Fs, production 400s, that had been stored um, at, the, at Victorville for, again, close to 10 years. Um, we wrote about this when they were brought out of the desert, um, and it seemed like they were about getting ready to enter service. Now, one of these has actually just started flying with Air Atlanta Icelandic. Um, the other is undergoing heavy maintenance in Taipei, um, but it seems like it's going to be ready soon. And that one is also going to be flying with Air Atlanta Icelandic. These two frames are being released by uh, Jet1X, um, an interesting company that has been reactivating all kinds of 747s for cargo operations. Um, additionally, another 747 freighter, um, this time uh, a 1992 vintage 400 BDSF um, that stopped flying with Asiana Airlines in South Korea earlier this year. Uh, we also covered that story and they said that they had returned it um, or that they were intending to return it to air sale. But this aircraft um, went to, again, went to Jakarta um, recently and it's also going to be placed in service with uh, Air Atlanta Icelandic. It's already in the uh, reg Icelandic registry. Um, and again, we've reached out to, to them to, to just to find out more about what's going on with this aircraft. But um, a couple of interesting takeaways from that is that 
um, Air Atlanta Icelandic is just, um, you know, taking on 747s left and right um, from different people. And another thing is just this uh, GMF Aero Asia facility in Jakarta that is really um, the sort of the go to MRO facility for uh, all kinds of 747 reactivations and, and heavy maintenance. So it's um, pretty interesting. So, Jeff, real quick interlude here. Um, well, a real quick interjection, excuse me, if I can get my words right. Um, you, aside from Indonesia just really capitalizing on some of the classic variants from the 7.3 and the 7.47, as you mentioned, uh, do you see, from your perspective, the need being driven, even though the volumes are going down, because we know that uh, the airlines are still kind of reorganizing and getting back into the game with belly freight capacity, in addition to the ocean freighters still kind of in a flux as far as getting themselves situated to be able to carry more freight. Do you see that as a reason for this uh, continued demand for air cargo at the time? Yeah, I mean, um, and I mean, we we talked to Boeing as well um, at Farnborough and they agreed that, you know, because it takes quite a bit of money and effort to bring these large wide bodies back into service. And if this is still happening now, that's surely just an indication that these uh, the kind of the people behind these various aircraft um, it, it tells us what how they feel right and it basically they're, they're they think they or they hope they'll get their money's worth um, and if things are looking yes volumes are down but I think people still think that the market is going to be pretty decent for you know at least a year and with the way things are going, yeah, I mean, perhaps they they should have had these aircraft flying, you know, maybe half a year earlier, a year earlier, but then again, you know, supply chain delays and maybe flight delays at the MRO facilities or whatever, a number of reasons. Um, but still, I mean, if they can get these things up and running as soon as they can, they they will still be making decent money, I think. Good point. Well, I think that is going to be all the time that we have for today. To those of you listening, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect. For more multimedia content like this, check out CargoFacts.com and search Cargo Facts Connect on iTunes and Spotify. Join us again next time.